Welcome, Holly Midlife from Canada. Thanks for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's funny because someone recommended your channel to me, and you definitely have some excellent life tips for women, but you're also curious about about a lot of various topics. And uh, I could also read between the lines in some of your videos, and I was like, yeah, this is a good one. There was something new, though, on your channel that I had never heard about, uh, rando nodding. Now, it sounds like uh, sounds a little woo-woo, but I think there's something to it. Have you had any rando nodding adventures recently? Uh, so rando nodding, it is, if you go deeply into it, there is a lot of woo-woo about it. <laughs> um, if, if you're into like the, the paranormal and all that stuff and, um, the, you know, the, the basis behind the secret and oh, everything yeah. like that, essentially, uh, it was just something fun that my daughter had seen on TikTok and she, um, she said, let's give it a try. And so essentially what it is, is it's a random point generator. So it gives you a location to go visit that's within a certain distance. So you can set it as a driving distance, a walking distance. And we chose walking because we were trying to get out of the house during the whole lockdown situation. And uh, we, we had a lot of great randonaut adventures. And it took us to places that we had never seen before. And essentially the... The theory behind it is it gets you out of your reality tunnel. And I mean, I see it as it gets it gets you out of your daily routines, because when you go for a walk, you tend to always go the same places. What this did was just get us to discover different places in our city, in our neighborhood. And I mean, we did have some coincidental things happen that I thought was really interesting. And that's what kept me doing it. But uh, just, it's one of those those TikTok trends that uh, my kid, my youngest. Uh, I like it, though. It's, it's kind of fun. And sometimes, yeah, exactly. It's good to switch up your usual routine, you know, drive a different way, go to a different park. You know, it gets other neural pathways firing in your brain. So you're just not on like robot yeah. mode all the time. Right. So yeah. that, that sounds like a lot of fun. So you're yeah. you're. Almost 50. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about uh, is, you know, women's issues. I think this is a great show for women. Just things that you've learned, you know. I'm in my 40s as well. There's a lot that I've learned, and I wish that I knew some of these things when I was 25, <laughs> right? There isn't always those women in your life telling you these things. And uh, so let us be those women who are telling some of these younger women things. Uh, and we're going to get into that. But also, I think some tips for women who are midlife, because we can't forget about the older gals, too. Your life is not over at 50 or your life is not your life is just beginning again in a different way in your 40s. But would mm -hmm. you say that you're very different uh, from, say, 25, has the core of you changed, uh, you know, to who you are? Has it stayed, st stayed strong? You're approaching 50 now. It's a, it's a two-level answer because the, the core of me has not changed. I'm still the same uh, personality, still the same person that I was. However, I just feel feel closer to my my 50s I am a lot more confident in who that person is so I, it's a yes and no it, it's I, I'm a very stubborn person but I've learned to use that stubbornness to my advantage and not to my detriment I think that would be the major lesson that I've learned from 25. Yeah, I think for me is, yeah, I knew who my core was, but having I didn't quite understand or harness it yet. You kind of have to refine your strengths and kind of work on your weaknesses. And that takes, it takes a lifetime. There's people still working on their weaknesses when they're uh, 80 years old. Now, would you say there were defining moments in your life that changed you for the better or made you embrace who you are? Um. I would say yes, like it's certainly the the birth of my my children, 100%. That changes you as, as as a woman. You you are now no longer just an individual. You are now a person that is eternally tied to another human being and responsible for them. And I did have my kids fairly young and it did make me grow up very very fast. So that was a a base fundamental change for me. Um, but then also a lot of the, the tragedies that I've gone through in my life, uh, they've shaped my resolve in uh, who I am and what I need to focus on. Um, but then, of course, there's always, you know, the death of a thousand cuts. There's the, the little mistakes that you make day to day that lead you down a path that 
instead of learning the lessons from them, I didn't and just continued to make the same mistakes over and over again. And uh, learning from that has been a foundation of who I am today. But I wouldn't say that that was a definitive moment in my life. So. Yeah, exactly. I would say the definitive moment. You're right. Marriage and kids. That definitely did a big one for me. And they they say that nothing makes a woman uh, conservative like having children, right? And I found that that I found that to be true as well. You start prioritizing different things right away. It just changes your world. It just kind of something else kicks in. <clears throat> Maybe that's why the system doesn't want uh, women having kids when they're younger, so they could just be liberal and just you know <laughs> miss those fertile years and then just become a wine ant, a liberal wine ant in their old age. I think too. When it comes to finding who you are, you have to separate what other people have projected onto you. You know, we listen too much to what we think other people think of us, right? Telling us who we are, but no one knows you like you or why you behave the way that you do. But one thing's for sure, it's a process and you have to work at uh, developing yourself if you really want to. Because I find that there's some people that they just don't care. But for me, I find the older I get, the more I want to be refined and be all that I can be. Did you, did you have that experience as well? Like once you hit, I don't know your late 30s you're like oh my god i'm approaching 40 but you're you're happy in who you are you're a confident woman you like i wish i had that brain when i was 25 but you can't force that you know you can't force life experience some things just do happen with age right yeah you it's funny cuz the the lessons the lessons that my parents tried to teach me when i was was a young woman was learn from other people's mistakes and you you try to do that, but there is no greater lesson than than life. Making the mistakes, burning your hand on the hot stove. That teaches you real quick not to touch it. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was interesting what you said about the, as women, we tend to want to take on what, or what we project out to the world as a part of our personality. And I find that as you get older as a woman, as, as women get older, we we start to develop that um, mindset of, I don't give an F what people think of me. And sometimes that power can be used for good. And sometimes that power uh, tends to make them turn into crazy wine moms. <laughs> um, but but harnessing harnessing that, that letting go of what other people think of you. Because remember when you were in high school and you wore the wrong color jeans or you you did your hair with the wrong part or something stupid teenage girl like that it was absolutely devastating to you and your identity as a young girl and then as you move into your 20s your focus turns to what are the boys finding attractive about me and you start to orient yourself in that way and then as you get older, you start to lose that power of the young woman. And now it's like, okay, well, who the hell am I? And then that's when that break happens. Well, it happened for me was, you know, I really, I should really stop caring about what people think of me and how am I going to do this constructively? And I don't know if it was divine intervention or something, but that was when uh, my love of philosophy started to develop and that's when I discovered, you know, the teachings of all the different great philosophers, the Socratic method of questioning things, um, Rene Descartes, uh, the apple, the apple basket experiment, taking apart your entire belief structure, and then putting back into the thing, the basket, the things that are serving you, and then discarding the things that actually aren't serving you, and not they're hindering you from becoming the person that you you truly are meant to be. Um, yeah. it's, it's really interesting when you, you start to kind of dive into your, your beliefs, the ones that you're carrying over through different parts of your life. Uh, some of the things just, just don't work anymore, but mm -hmm. I notice women tend to hold on to a lot of them and it makes them very miserable and very unhappy as yeah. we age. Oh yeah, definitely. No, it's true. You have to find your way and you also, you know, as you pull away from your parents, maybe you have some of their belief system or, uh, religion. Like I grew up in religion. I'm not, uh, Christian anymore, but I grew up in a Christian household. You know, I went through my journey, my process, and uh, also looking into philosophy. I was definitely into Carl Jung, learning about him and the whole shadow self side of you, which I thought was really powerful because there's a saying that your greatest strength can become your greatest weakness, right? And your weaknesses can become your greatest strength. I think mm -hmm. that you'll probably say that that's been true for you. I've found it 
that that's true because the thing about weakness is really it's just unrealized potential that you haven't learned about yet whereas the things you think are your strength can uh, like you're saying maybe being too mouthy or something can limit you without realizing it you know there's i think that there's more to tap into that creates a, a a wiser balanced you but you have to be conscious of what those are and it takes time to learn who you are and it's true in your 20s you kind of don't think about those things more because you're thinking about got to get that guy you want to get that guy maybe you want to start a family you have this and that i think once you're kind of uh, over 30 start thinking about those things and uh you know you're more introspective what do you think Oh, yeah. Well, 100%, like uh, thinking about my what I consider one of my greatest strengths is absolutely definitely one of my greatest weaknesses. I am stubborn and patient to a fault. And I'm very, very slow to anger. And I, I always perceive that as a very, very good thing. Now, I still believe that it is. However, throughout my life, it's it's put me in situations where I have stubbornly tried to prove people um wrong of what they think of me and that stubbornness has kept me in situations that i should have exited a long time ago or i shouldn't have wasted that time on that relationship or i shouldn't have uh, wasted that time in that job because it just wasn't the right place for me and um if i would have been a little quicker to react and a little less stubborn in trying to prove myself I think that uh, things would have gone a lot easier for me. But then questioning that, you have to think, well, was that a life lesson that I needed to learn so I can get to the place where I am now, where I'm still stubborn, I'm still strong-headed, but I can now recognize, okay, this is actually starting to damage me or damage my family or damage something. And it's like, okay, now it's time to walk away. Now it's time to to get angry. Yeah. <clears throat> not be so uh, agreeable and try to get along with everyone. Sometimes there's I think a lot of women like, fall into that. I used to be like that too, almost too nice. And a lot of women can become doormats like that or get pushed around or maybe, you know, they need to learn to say no more often to certain people that they shouldn't waste their time with. You know, I see a lot of young girls do that because there are a lot of young girls that they're nice, but they are just kind of blowing around in the wind. They're not really <laughs> sure, you know, where the grounding is and they get they get taken advantage of, you know. But then when you're older, you're like looking at some of those women like just say no walk away he's a slime bag or you know like we can see we can see it coming across the street you know yeah whereas something happens in your youth it's like you just don't see some of those things <laughs> i don't know what it is you know well with that i think that we should share you had some great tips um in one of your videos for younger women later we're going to get into some tips for midlife gals too so in your old wise age please i don't think you're old uh, what are things that you have learned that you would like to share with with younger women what would you like them to know well i think the number one thing um that that i've learned in in my life because of course i was an avid feminist and i was all about freedom of uh, expression and uh the the whole free love movement and how your you know sex is power and and all of that and that that mindset is very very damaging to young women and I have been pleasantly surprised seeing the there is a bit of a shift in, in young women's mentalities with uh, moving away from that whole hookup culture thing and starting to realize exactly how damaging it is and I've seen it come more to the mainstream where women are starting to throw out that idea of maybe this isn't something that a woman should be doing just throwing her her sexuality to the wind and letting anybody hop on for a ride, essentially, putting it nicely. And one of my my quotes in my videos is garbage in, garbage out. So if you're if you're offering yourself up to a garbage person to use you and treat you like a piece of garbage, maybe that's not the right path to take. And maybe our grandmothers were correct with the the saying, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? you know, become that that young woman that a young man wants to take home to meet his mother, to meet his grandmother, uh, be that, become that young woman that a young man would be proud of to have in his life. Uh, not just that young woman that he calls up at three in the morning when he's got an itch that he needs to scratch. 
right? He doesn't care about you. He only cares about one very small part of you. And if you allow him, he's going to use that. You know, the, the easy accessibility with the complete un unyoking of accountability when it comes to free and unfettered availability of sex. Yeah, that's I right. Guess. And and you had said, too, in your video that this is a, a new norm, right, in modern culture. I mean, historically, this wasn't a thing. We evolved based on, sure, biological needs, the impulse to sustain life before things got really comfortable. But, yes, your body is your temple. It's not a toilet or a dumpster <laughs> for whoever you think is kind of okay at the, at the time. And I love one of the comments you made about these women who think they're smashing the patriarchy by being uh, sluts. They even write slut across their chest. It's like, okay, you're just providing this free and constant flow of uh, sex without a commitment. I don't know how that's empowering, but it's it's great for the guys, you know. You're just you're exactly you're giving away for free. But you you said something important there, you're giving away your power. Maybe you can talk more about that. Your um, sensuality, uh, sexuality, how that leads to women not being happy. <laughs> Well, it's it's the common trope, the the common thread that I see in all of these young women or, or older women coming out and talking about how they they were instructed and told by the feminist movement that they can be just like men and they can have sex just like men and they can have uh, casual sex just like men. Well, I believe that women are built differently when it comes to intimate relationships and it comes down to just the mechanics of having intercourse it's you are essentially allowing someone to enter your being for lack of a better term and you are allowing that person to leave a piece of them inside you and based on this this whole concept um if you're allowing someone to to do that to you it takes away the intimacy it takes away the love and caring it takes away everything that a young woman um, should hold and cherish and keep um keep close to your your chest right uh it's it's really upsetting when you 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 read these stories of these young women that have body counts in the hundreds and how Crazy. pleased and happy they are about it. But then later you can see in their, their timelines how absolutely miserable they are. And they keep banging on the same drum that's making them miserable. And they figure, okay, if we just bang harder, it's something, it's going to get better. We're going to get to that place where women are fully empowered. And like, I'm, I'm going back to my ancestors and going back to, to the roots. And I, learned the phrase like women control the access to sex men control the access to a relationship and what we've done as a society is we've completely taken away the power that women have when it comes to the access to sex like there there is nothing more powerful in the world that can stop a room or stop a man's thought or a man's thought in its his tracks is is than a beautiful young woman and that power if it's if it's just given away to whoever desires her then she no longer has that power um the i do believe also that this whole sexual revolution that's come to fruition to the point where it is now is not only damaging to young women, it, it's now becoming very damaging to young men. And you can see that in the rates of, of marriage and young men that are just deciding to walk away and live their own lives and focus on themselves and focus on their careers and focus on their, you know, their family, their parents. Um, and now we have young women that are asking, well, where are all the good guys? Where did all the good guys go? And it's like, well, those good guys have uh, either gotten married to a lovely young lady or those guys just don't want to have anything to do with somebody that has given it all away for free. Exactly. And, it's uh, they view it as dirty and gross <laughs> because it well, is. Yeah. I, I, hate, I hate to, to put that label on people that dirty, gross, used. But when it comes down to the the base, 
the base level of it. Like I think back to when I was a kid and I was in high school, there there was always the that one girl that all the guys knew that would put out. Yeah. And all a lot of the girls were jealous because that girl got all of the boys' attention. But that girl was never never taken out on dates that girl never went to prom that girl never got taken to or taken bad language <laughs> that that young lady was never invited home to to meet the young man's uh parents the she never got a boyfriend and if she did it was just until she you know put out and then she was quickly cast aside i think we're in a, a situation right now where pretty much every young lady is that girl. I know. That's what I was going to say. I noticed that in high school, just watching, man, mm -hmm. just going out to to events or whatever, and you see what, you know, the, the young kids dress like now, the teenage girls. I was just telling some of my friends, I was like, that's how the, the slut when I was going to school in high school used to dress. Now they're all dressing like the slut, like with this ghetto trash culture. Now they're all doing that. So now what st stands out is the woman that's more beautiful and, and wholesome and actually dressed <laughs> in a classy way. It's outrageous. Yeah, yeah you got you to gotta leave some mystery. That's why, like... Back in the day, there there was burlesque, and burlesque was very sexy. It was very provocative because you never actually got to see anything. Yeah, exactly. There was always that hint of of what might be behind the the covers, right? It was very titillating. But now there's there's the gentlemen's clubs where you get to see everything. You can basically do a gynecological exam on this young lady. And there's nothing sexy about that. There's nothing <laughs> titillating about that. <laughs> no, there isn't. Yeah, and you know that these women are secretly, they just, they want Prince Charming to come. They just want to marry a guy who's going to take care of them. So they're screeching loud about, you know, female empowerment and, you know, I'm, I'm free to be a slut and it's my choice and I'm happier. But you know they're not because on a biological level, it's like it's impossible to be happy like that where no guy wants to marry you and protect you and, you know, provide a, a nice, safe, cozy house for you. And like, no, you're miserable. We know it. So what do you think the solution is? Because, you know, yes, sex is ultimately to make life, but it's also for enjoyment, right? Uh, but the first purpose is making babies, right? And a lot of these women are taking value away from that by constantly giving it up to strangers. And now they don't even have babies. And, you know, the sex that they're having is probably not that great either. So what do you think this counter response is to hookup culture? What's the healthier alternative that people should be telling their girls about? Because you know they're going to want to try it at some point, like teenagers, right? So what is the, the healthy approach? Someone's raising a teenage girl. Like, what do you say? <laughs> Well, then see, that's, that's the delicate balance that you have to, you have to do, right? Like our, my parents, the, the boomers, right? The boomers were raised in the sixties, the summer, you know, the actual summer of love where it was this great, amazing thing that women were being unyoked from, from the stodgy old ideas of sex and it was free love and, and all that stuff. And they did all the crazy drugs and they, they lived in the sixties. And then when they started raising young girls, they took a look and went, oh, I saw, I see how damaging that is. I'm going to make this all illegal. I'm going to ban it all. We're not going to talk about it. We're going to push hard on the no. And all that did was make it even more enticing and more interesting. And, oh, let's, you know, let's see what they're talking about. Because I see pictures of mom and her, her hip huggers going to these these crazy parties and my my mom used to roller skate at studio 54 whatever the story is um i'm gonna do that but i'm gonna do it better and i'm gonna do it harder and i'm gonna do it faster um i think now we we are sitting here looking at okay well that didn't work twice so how do we talk to young women about this well we need to talk to young women about the the value that they they truly do hold and the power that they truly do possess and how to um to put it into their terms how to use that power to for it for its good 
right, to drive them further in life, to get them to where they need to go and to understand that when someone desires you, that does not mean that they hold you to a high esteem. Uh, a man can desire any woman, but does that mean that he holds her to a high esteem? And if you act in a way where you demand that respect and you demand that um, elevation of your, your character, then you'll be treated as such. Now, what do we do from here? Uh, all we can do is just take care of our daughters and teach our daughters the, the lessons of the past and be very open and frank that, you know, when you have those, the sex talks, right? The, the value of what it means to be a little more conservative with your, your sexuality. But sex is to be enjoyed and sex is fun and women enjoy it just as much as men do when it's in the confounds of a, a loving relationship and has that intimate tie to it. Right. So it's, it's, you get to that, that point where there's that healthy balance of let's not try to lock all the women up and, you know, put them in chastity belts, belts yeah. because yeah, they don't know what to do, but explain to them, why sex can be enjoy enjoyed and how it can be enjoyed and the ap appropriate power use of power i guess we can say the that's appropriate right you have to you have to motivate the reason not just don't do it because i said so right uh, yeah. or don't do it because our belief says you can't you i i feel that that approach doesn't work <laughs> you have to really no. You really educate them, really empower them with the truth and, and the education. And I feel like a lot of parents, they aren't doing that because maybe they, they themselves don't even really fully understand. Maybe it's just something that they kind of unconsciously pick up on like, oh, yeah, it's, it's wrong. You don't want your teen daughter sleeping around or whatever. But they can't even really put the words together of why and present that for their children. But they need to because it's one of the most important things is how we raise our children, right? That's going to determine the future and especially for especially for women. I think women have been – a number has been done on women specifically. And the more liberal we get, just the worse that it's getting for women. So something isn't working. Um, what do you think about as far as – as like female liberation and all that stuff. Do you think that that was um, a subversive agenda or was there some truth there? Yeah, this is like, I've, I've been thinking about this for, for about 24 hours now straight. Like, <laughs> and of course I, I have this uh, conspiracy theory mind, right? Like, so, so do I. How, how would you control a society? what's what is what's the thing that what's the thing that holds a society together that makes a society essentially ungovernable and that's the family unit and so how would you break up the family unit to make people more dependent on the the powers that be well you can't go after the men because the men are strong and the men will fight back it's in it's in their nature to protect things um you would go after the women now as a woman i know this 100 percent uh we are more susceptible to messaging and we are more susceptible to in-group acceptance and that's just just a part of our our biology it's a part of who we are um so to slowly trickle in those ideas that fundamentally would break apart that the family values, I guess you can say, or the, the, the structure of the strong family, you would go after the women. And once you go after the women, of course, they're going to start changing the tides and they're going to start moving things in, in a certain direction that essentially is, is going to end up being very destructive towards the family unit. Right. So right. I, I do, I do believe that, the the early feminists the the first wave feminists they they were about equality and they were about making things better for women i think they came from a good place because we were coming out of a phase where women were uh held back and women were controlled and women were treated as property essentially and all that, all they did in 
in that first wave was to say, hey, we're humans too, and treat us like humans. We're not property. And that's it. And But then from that, if, if you've looked into the history of um, feminism oh, and, yeah. and every single wave that's come from that, it starts to morph into this evil, ugly creature of instead of uh, let's elevate everybody so everyone can benefit from all of the great things that everyone can offer. It now has become, we need to crush and destroy everything that is not us. So that's where the man hate started. And that's where the women going on their own started. And that's where uh, don't have children started. They're just a burden and taking away everything that fundamentally makes a woman fulfilled yeah and it uh, also would i would say during the the even the first wave uh where it originally started was a lot of upper class women who were just bored <laughs> like they were yeah. bored you know because most other women were too busy just trying to survive just getting done whatever the household needed to get done i don't think those husbands viewed them as property and, and treated them like crap and all that stuff i feel like it was a lot a lot of these things have been fantasized you know and it's just become mythologized in this way that these men were these great beasts back then and this is how they treated all women and stuff whereas mm -hmm. I mean, I, I always look at it like I want to get into this whole discussion about trad wife versus modern woman. But what era of woman are you talking about? Right. Because we've been through all kinds of things. Like, are you going to judge a Viking woman versus a 1950s or upper middle class 1920s woman? Like they've been dealing with different things in different decades. And I feel like around this time, there was a lot of subversive forces in America and in Europe. And I feel like they were getting their fingers in there because they knew, like you said, the family units and the the woman is so important in the family. Like she can create chaos and instability, you know, and she's the one who has the babies, right? Um, so I do feel uh, I have studied and I've looked into it and in, in the different foundations who have founded these things and some of the, the females who were leading some of these movements. And I look at uh, their communist background or their uh, hatred already towards European, uh, even like nationalism and things. So to me, I, f I, I definitely feel as more subversive. I think there were some women that probably were treated like crap by their by their husbands, for sure. Uh, but I think that generally men, uh, me they meant well. They were trying to, to protect protect their women, you know. Yeah, no, 100%. Like I, looking into the the anti-suffragette movement, the women who uh, were not interested in getting the vote. It's very, it's, it's very interesting when you, you look into that history because as, as a young woman going through school, learning all about the, the brave women that got as the vote and got those evil, awful men to give us a voice, et cetera, et cetera. Well, looking, in, looking into the suffragette movement, um, you have to kind of dig a little bit deeper and see that the majority, the overwhelming majority of women were not interested in the, um, in the dealings of That's men. That's right. Yeah. And the, the direct quote is they, they didn't have time to care about what, what men were doing because they were dealing with more important things like raising the future generation. And to them, that was the the single most important thing to be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right? I, I agree, hundred percent. And, and it's as, just look at look at it today. It's the same thing is happening. Like these movements that are supposedly these big movements and stuff. The majority of people don't actually support these things and don't even really give a shit about a lot of these things. But they just push it in the media so they make it seem like it's much bigger and more important than it is. And that's how I feel like with the the suffragette movement. Because to me, looking back too, like as far as the right to vote and stuff, they had one vote per household. I think that that's a brilliant idea. You vote as a family unit. I mean, I wouldn't want to vote different from my husband and I wouldn't be married to him if we were going to vote differently. You know what I mean? I think some of those things were structured to protect the family unit in a way. And now that has been uh, that has been sabotaged. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now I think oh, yeah. like people shouldn't even be able to vote under 25, honestly. And there should be other <laughs> requirements too, like owning a business. Do you have a family? Like, you know. Out of well, you look at it this way: uh, if if 
with looking back at the the suffragette movement and and the vote being one family one household um you can't tell me that women back then weren't exactly the same as we are now when it comes to how our households are run like you can't tell me that they didn't uh, see the the school board or something happen with the sewage or the water collection and they didn't go talk to their husband and say hey I noticed that uh, this isn't happening in our neighborhood uh, which candidate do you think is going to help us with that and then they have that open discussion in their household and then say okay well I think that we should vote for Joe instead of Fred because Joe is saying he's going to help us with this. And then the husband goes, yeah, that's a great idea. They come to a consensus and then the man went and voted. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. You also said another good thing there. When it comes to things that are traditional, there are certain things I think women just always have cared about all throughout time. And we'll get into this with trad wives versus the modern woman. And one of those things is running the household and overseeing the children. It doesn't matter if it was uh, (laughs) some old mud hut versus a palace like women are going to be caring about the kids they're going to look at how things are run in the household like there are certain timeless principles and i think women have mostly been concerned about those things that's their priority all the women i know Mm -hmm. i mean generally being uh, political minded is more like masculine brain and a lot of women just don't care about politics i mean nowadays the only reason why i do is because i'm forced to because i feel like i I need to get involved to protect the future of my children because I see what's coming you know what I mean that's the only reason why I'm here and I'm out here doing these things I think otherwise I would be just doing girly things in the house with the kids you know but let's discuss this whole thoughts on the trad wife versus the the modern woman sometimes we get the extremes out there Mm -hmm. I made a video called The Truth About Trad Wives, and you touched on a lot of the same things. I think we really come from the same place on this. A trad wife isn't a a new concept. It's an old concept, I think, is being reworked into this new liberal kind of soft era that we're in. And I also had mentioned in this video, like, what era are we talking about? Like I brought up before, trad wife in the Viking era of, like, the women that had to do things that weren't always traditionally feminine, they just did what needed to be done, right, as a family unit uh, versus the 1950s, the golden age, when the woman can stay home and the guy goes to work and she can wear these sexy high heels when he comes back and everything is good. They have martinis together. You know what I mean? We're not in that period now. Like a lot of women, they have to work, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. because it's hard and each era has their different struggles. I come from a view that a couple... They just need to do what needs to get done, and you you are going to know who's better suited to do what. It's not always going to fit into maybe the traditional category, but the obvious big ones, they always do. <laughs> so what do you think about this, this this whole trad trad wife thing versus the modern woman, and is the trad wife thing really the answer answer for to everything for miserable women? Well, that's I, – I- I actually did the same the same sort of video, like questioning, okay, when you say trad wife, what are you talking about? And and I didn't go back to the Vikings, but I went back to, say, the First Nations people and the Indigenous people. And we, we had the same, you know, family units. We had the, the mothers, grandmothers staying back at the village, the men going out to hunt and fight. Uh, women were sometimes uh, had to step up and do some of the hunting and do some of the the firewood prep. And you can't tell me that the women didn't just sit at home uh, with a martini and laid back and wait until their, the men came home, mm-hmm. if the men ever came home or if their man ever came home because hunting back then was very dangerous. So you can't tell me that, that she didn't go out and harvest wood and she didn't go out and hunt small game and she didn't, you know, kill and strip and prep dinner to keep her babies alive. So you have to, you have to look at, okay, well, what, what's traditional, what's trad. And when you, you hear the, the modern, modern people talking about the trad right wife, they always look at that age, the 1950s, yeah. where life was extremely comfortable and extremely um, easy. And what happened to those women? Like they were con- going to the doctor with the, the housewife blues and the melancholy of having to stay home. 
but everything had been stripped from them. The dishwashers were invented, so that didn't take time. The food procurement became super easy and they would just, you know, go to the grocery store and that would be their exciting thing that they did for the day. Um, to me, that that kind of life just sounds com completely horrendous and a nightmare. Like you look at what happened during the lockdowns and how many people went crazy. We, we had we had income, we had mining coming in, and we had all this time on our hands. Well, did everyone just suddenly become super blissful and super happy because they could do whatever they wanted whenever they wanted because they didn't have to go to work? No, people were miserable. People started drinking. People started self-medicating. And the same thing happened to the, the housewives in the 50s. They started self-medicating. They started taking different mother's little helpers that are a lot stronger than just a you know a box of wine every afternoon and you know i look at that that period of time it's like no i don't want to have a, a man go out and work and take care of me and then me just sit there and do absolutely nothing yeah you need a purpose that's the thing i feel like us as, as a people we started losing a purpose around this time you know, uh, materialism really came in as well. <clears throat> there was another good point I forgot, but uh, as far as like the, the feminist stuff, a lot of women were going in the workforce. I think that was a big part of the agenda, taxing them, getting them to become a slave to another man. Like that's not a solution either, right? Dropping your kids off in school all day or daycare and the government raising them. So you had women doing that. But then you also had women sitting home who were just, yeah, they were bored. They needed a purpose. They needed something to do, something to live for. Their kids were gone. They weren't even homeschooling them, right? They dropped them off at, at school. And <clears throat> once all the vacuuming was done, then what? You know, <laughs> it's like they didn't know they didn't know what else to do. Yeah, they like you said, like the everything that gives a woman purpose in that time of time period of our history every single thing that gives a woman purpose it was institutionalized it was streamlined it was provided for them so like you said not a homeschooling got that bad rap of that's just what the 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 weirdo kids were like they weren't going to be socialized properly and they weren't going to be taught properly because the government knows best for you so take your kids ship them off to the school well okay that takes rearing children out of it it, and that that's one of the greatest joys in a woman's life is to take care of, of her babies. And like just something that you said there, when women in, in my country, they were starting to go back to work. A lot of, a lot of women had spent uh, that time home with their children, taking care of their children. Kids weren't going to school. So they were essentially homeschooling. And they saw the the joy and purpose that that brought back into their lives just by being forced to stay at home. And there are a lot of women that discovered new ways of bringing in income that kept them at home and they weren't going back to work. And there was this huge push, this huge advertising push and, and societal push to get the women back into the workplace and the push was oh well we got we have to have subsidized daycare because these poor women can't afford it but a lot of women discovered hey you know what i'm saving thousands of dollars a year by just staying home with my kids orienting my lifestyle so i can stay home with my kid do something part-time that does bring in a little bit of income to supplement and just be a mom. And yeah, there's and, and there's that. a lot of women that can do that now yeah. and have a, a small little internet business. I have lots of friends that do that. Something yeah. that they love, a little creative outlet or something, because, I mean, I love children. I love being around my children, but I also need uh, some kind of creative outlet. Like, there's just going to be those women, you know, that, that need a little something extra on the side. But now with the invention of technology and the internet, like, we can do some of those things. And also, I think it's very important now, like what I said, where we are politically, I think since the post-World War II era has just gone downhill in America like crazy. But um, now we can actually have a voice and, and you know, get involved and right from the right from our living room, right? Women are recording selfie videos with their kids playing in the background. And I think mm -hmm. that that can, is still 
you can still be a trad wife and do those things. And in fact, I think we need women to get involved in this era of just like crazy feminism and stuff to be the, the counterweight. And also thinking in terms of a future for our children, your grandchildren, where are things going? Like, I feel that we need to get involved as much as I wish we didn't have to, that none of us had to worry about those things. I wish all I had to worry about was my hair and my nails and keeping the house clean. But, you know, it's just not the time that we live in, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's 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 funny to see the the government's um, the the powers that be panic when they discovered that they were losing fifty percent of the tax paying workforce, and there were a lot of women that didn't want to go back to work because they they found their purpose in staying home, and so you see the big the big push through the the media and everything like that of oh we need to get women back to work women are being oppressed again and. But a lot of I do see a lot of women did see through that and say, no, you know what, I'm just going to stay home. I'm not going to go back because we sold our second car. We've reoriented our lives and we've um, we've seen how much money we were pouring into the daycare system and we can actually stay home. We can afford it because when we do the budget my job was only barely paying for for the daycare and me being able to work. Whereas if I don't work, we save thousands of dollars a month of me driving, me having to buy clothes, the extra, you know, coffee in the morning, even the um, owning that second car to get to the yeah. office, uh, like all of that. Women kind of woke up, and it, that makes me really happy that people are like, "Oh crap." <laughs> we've been lied to we can actually stay home we actually can't afford it we don't need two incomes yeah it's happening i see i see that uh, pendulum swinging <clears throat> and i did want to get into a few more tips for young girls i think that we should continue we'll take a little break and continue because i do want to there's some more things i want to ask you because i think it's a great conversation but you had some more tips like limiting the sun <laughs> little things like that maybe do you remember any more of those tips in your videos i wrote some of them down in case you didn't yeah so like the the thing thing that i was taught when i was in my 20s was treat your skin as you're 10 years older than you actually are and that includes shade sunscreen because shade sunscreen and your diet and water consumption ages you so if you treat yourself like you're 10 years older than you are you're going to take a little bit better care of yourself and sunscreen absolutely is your friend i mean you can go down that rabbit hole of the things that are actually in sunscreen zinc oxide just pure zinc oxide there's good yeah. organic products out there i think you're on the same page <laughs> there's, there's a lot there's a lot of things that you can make yourself with natural products that does that do protect you from the sun however if you are going to be in extreme exposure and you that's not going to offer you the protection from getting burned sometimes the the, the chemical stuff might be necessary to prevent what the the damage that could be done and sparingly and very very infrequently it can be used but shade big hat stay out of the sun girls because <laughs> you'll end up with a much nicer complexion absolutely <laughs> i think i think it's important also eating an organic diet is very important paleo diet for me big advocate of that uh, replacing all those chemical laden products and makeup I know there's a lot of girls that suffer from infertility problems I think all of these things contribute the products that you're putting on um, the the crap that you're eating I always recommend people going to a naturopath uh, also birth control pills like I I have a problem with birth control pills what's in it there's a lot of yucky stuff I mean learning your fertility cycle and the window of when you are uh, fertile and just you don't want to have a kid don't have sex on those days I mean <laughs> I don't know why they don't teach women these things anymore there's all these women who are screeching about you know wanting to kill their baby and stuff but no one's teaching them about basic fertility and your cycles and when you're most fertile it's like we've totally become out of touch with that it's like this knowledge is just not even being talked about anymore. It's crazy. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because I, I remember talking with my mother when I was pregnant with my first child and I made the decision that I was going to nurse my babies. I was going to make a go of it. I was going to breastfeed. And my mom was mortified because she had me in the 70s. And in the yeah. 70s, the science 
like the the scientists they know the better nutrition and they know that it's 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 cleaner Our mom's and got that too and, yep yeah you know what i mean like it and so she was mortified so i i breastfed my children and it was the absolute best thing i could have ever done for my kids for myself even selfishly um so thinking about that right and then you talked about the the birth control pill i had um gone on it when I was very young because you know I didn't want to get pregnant and I wanted to have unfettered sex without the responsibility of having a baby and it it affected me in such a way that it changed who I was as a person and I wasn't aware of it but going looking back with you know you always have 2020 vision looking back on how much it did affect me and how much it changed my the way my even my brain worked and yeah. the way my it's hormones hormone balance hormone really balance with everything you. like i i started dealing with severe depression and and all of that horrible stuff uh, the other thing was is i started gaining weight so because you know you're I'm back in that time where i was very very vain about my my physicality well, no I one wants to be bloated and fat either. So, <laughs> I I realized it was the pill, and I decided, no, I don't want to take this anymore. It's making me fat. And then I started coming out of the brain fog and out of the um, what I was going through, mm -hmm. and it was like, oh crap! I think that's what was making me ill. And when I did talk to my doctor, he at least was a really good doctor and said, yeah, there are some women that do have you know mental issues with it with with birth control and that was well, my no wonder you're screwing with your your home hormonal balance your chemistry <laughs> like yeah. it's not it's not her fault for being acting crazy and erratic like that it's like you're basically putting bad poisons in there you know yeah like the uh when you look at uh when women are getting engaged to their their fiancés their the advice is for them to go off of the birth control pill for a year before they get married now why is that so that they can get pregnant. Well, too. It's and so also and also pregnant. so they can uh, act like a normal woman. <laughs> well, it, the studies that I've read into it, it basically it changes your hormones so much that you are as a woman are unable to pick up pheromones from your 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 partner. Oh, that's right. I do remember that research. Right? Yeah, that's huge. A lot of women, they they're on the pill on the pill on the pill. They get married, they decide, "Okay, we're going to start having a baby now. I'm going to go off of my birth control, they go off of the birth control, their their body starts to reset, and become more natural, and they cannot stand <sighs> being around their husband. Oh my gosh. The, and it's it's some of it, it's the way he smells just makes her physically sick. Some cases, there are some cases where she just isn't attracted to him anymore, doesn't see him in that same light that she did before. And it, there there's that link to it so a lot of doctors are saying hey before you get married maybe go off the pill for a year and use other forms of contraception before you make that decision that this is going to be the man that you're going to be with for the rest of your life that's it huge yeah. affect how how compatible you actually are with this person Wow, that's amazing. I also remember there was a study just triggered in my brain here uh, that women were attracted to softer, kind of more feminine men too on the pill. I remember that. I remember we talked about this years ago. So okay. yeah, there, there's something to that, you know. So that's another tip, another pro tip right there. I would say another thing that I've learned is uh, surround yourself by like-minded females, uh, mm -hmm. politically, socially, spiritually. That's very important so that you can support each other and have like a true sisterhood. You know, not not this fake bogus one, but a true sisterhood. Um, also, I think you had said this, but find your talent, your passion, develop it. Like your youth is is a time to do this, right? That is that yeah. your twenties are for that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Your your youth is a, a time, and this is this bodes for for men and for women, but especially women is to enjoy your youth and your your beauty and to enjoy the power of what it is to be a pretty young woman but also in that time don't revel in the fact that you are a beautiful young woman develop other parts of your personality develop your skills develop your talents 
find what you're good at, find what, what brings you joy and then start to work on that, build that solid foundation. So when you're, you know, your face starts to slide a little bit and your butt starts <laughs> to sag, you still have value and in, in yourself and you still feel a sense of purpose and a sense of worth because the worst thing is a, a pretty young woman that grows up to be a beautiful older woman that then starts to panic because she's losing her, her physical, her physical prime, right? It's, there are primes for women in every phase of life. There isn't just one single prime. But when you lose your sexual prime, it's for some women, it's it's very, very devastating. And they either desperately try to grasp onto it by augmenting and fixing and doing everything they can and ending up looking like a... I have some pictures. Maria Shriver. Have you seen her face? We were. <laughs> my husband just sent this the other day. Did you see that article? Holy cow! And I, I was going to bring that out for tips for like midlife women, but there's women in their 20s who are doing these fillers and Botox and surgery. Just don't do that. that those are poisons. Like Botox mm-hmm. is a poison. Okay, these fillers are full of poison and they backfire. So you may think that it's going to look great now and I look so fresh. But how does does Maria Shriver look fresh to you? <laughs> oh, she looks like Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler or a Klingon, <laughs> you know, or like Beauty and the Beast, like the Beast. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, I, I, I hate, I hate to, to laugh at another woman's appearance, but when she's she's acting, I'm more like just stunned. Herself, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, makes it hard. But yeah, like just if you develop your insides just as much as you're taking care of your outsides, then you, you end up with a strong self, uh, a strong holistic sense of self. And you, there's nothing wrong with being a beautiful young woman. There's nothing wrong with taking good care of yourself. There's nothing wrong with anti-aging and and trying to stay as, as youthful as you possibly can into your older ages. There's nothing wrong with that. However, there are certain aspects of aging that you do have to embrace because nature it's going to happen whether you want it or not (laughs) happens to everybody yes (laughs) it happens to everybody and if you're lucky to get to that age like i i believe that aging is a privilege that is afforded to the very few (laughs) <laughs> thanks Henrik you put that on the screen <laughs> it's it's a privilege that's that's offered to to the very few and not a lot of people do get to live to get the the silver hair and the lines and to eventually you know turn into that little old lady in the wheelchair with with a gallon of, of experience and stories and incredible things that she's done in her life. There's, you know, why can't, why can't we celebrate that anymore? Um, like that's, that's no, the process that I went through during yeah. the lockdowns was I stopped dyeing my hair partially because the, the horrible chemicals, like I learned all about the horrible chemicals yeah. that I was subjecting myself to constantly, but also, you know, no one was going to see me for a little bit. So, why dye my hair but then the the empowerment of actually being 100% who I am without the artificial anything you get me this is me right (laughs) yeah yeah and it makes me happier no absolutely and I think that's another important tip you had said Learning for younger women, it's really important to learn from older women, listen to their stories. And me in my life, I like to surround myself by women of various ages. And I like to bring together, I I oftentimes host, you know, women's get togethers and stuff. And I like to have a a wide age range. I think it's very important to do that. I think in our old villages, you know, we used to have that where the women would come together and and tell stories and you're at a different decade in your life and you can share those experiences and all that. But uh, I think that that's really important. And sometimes a woman needs to learn from someone who an older woman who isn't her mom, because sometimes she'll hear it differently from uh, a woman who's outside the family, right? Yeah. Well, traditionally, when we're talking about trad wife or anything like that, 
um, traditionally in the village, there was always the, the old silver haired, very wise crone who the new young couples who were getting married would go visit and go meet. And she would talk to them about what's to come next and talk to them about their sexuality, talk to them about babies. In some societies, it was to teach them how to do it. I don't know if I agree with that, but <laughs> yeah. um, just, just having that, just having that older, older woman in your life as a young woman to steer you right and to show you that aging is not scary, you're not done, and things things can be awesome as you get older as well. Don't put all your value into into your youth. No, it's a great time when you just stop giving a damn the same way. <laughs> it's like, it's fun. You know, turning 40 is actually fun. <laughs> so don't worry about that. Some other things I want to jot down before we take a break. Uh, listen to your gut feelings. I just, did a, I just did a video about that. We're going to release that. That's one of the big lessons I've learned in life. Always listen to your gut instinct because it knows so many times when we, we were like, darn it, I knew it. I had that first inclination. I didn't listen. And then you went down this pathway that you never should have gone and all the drama and all that, right? I also say today, especially, ignore whatever the media, TV, Netflix, magazines tell you to do. Just do the complete opposite of what they tell you to do. <laughs> and another one I would say is important is to be proud of your, your heritage, your ancestors, your culture. Don't let anyone crap all over it like they're trying to do today. And I think you alluded to this also, but get married younger, if possible. Not everyone finds the true love, you know, early on, uh, but get married younger, start a family. You did when you were younger. Uh, everything else can still happen later. You can still have other interests and do other things later. Your life isn't like, oh, that's it. It's all over because I got married and had kids. I hate when when people are, are told that. Um, the other thing is, I know you're going to have input here, but the other thing is when it comes to the one, you know who the, the one is, that man in your life, like you shouldn't second guess it. So mm -hmm. many women write me and say, how do I know he's the one? And I would say, well, when I met my husband, the second the second that I saw him, I was like, this is the guy that I'm going to marry. Like, I didn't have any doubt about it. Whereas in the past, there were guys who wanted to get married or, you know, eh, I don't know. Is this around? No, if you feel that, any second guessing, like, that's not the guy for you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's. It's interesting the to if I could sit back and sit down and talk with my younger self and tell her the, the you know this this way you followed your your gut this this is going to be right and this way you, you follow your you didn't follow your gut and you ended up in a really bad situation like that's that's something that that women have that men don't necessarily have is that incredible intuition and i don't know if it's because we can see into the future if it's woo woo if I've, I've heard all kinds of theories about it but i just i think it's because women are so attuned to others behaviors and attuned to uh, the social language that we can see potential outcomes a lot easier than than uh, our counterparts can and if we really tune into that and we really listen and we really listen to our gut and take note of our, our intuition and don't ignore it, take heed, then I think women's lives would be a lot better. And like you said, turn off your damn TV and put your phone down and start getting to know yourself as yourself instead of getting to know yourself through a, through a screen. Yep. No, you're right. In in historically and in, in mythology, it's the seer, the fortune teller, the prophetess. There's something there is something about that that women are a creative force. We're tapped into the unconscious, the collective unconscious in a way. We we birth life through us. You know, we <clears throat> we I think you talked about this in one of your videos about that theory that the feminine represents, you know, chaos, right? And the masculine is most likely order, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Women are a creative force. Men are like the enabler that help bring things into reality. I think these are some of the dynamics of the masculine and the feminine. And there's a whole spiritual metaphysical uh, aspect to that. And I find I have always been intuitive. I know a lot of my lady friends are intuitive. Like, They'll they'll text me and I'll say I was just 
literally just thinking about you. That happens all the time with the the women in my circle that I'm really close with. Like we pick up on each other, like this crazy <laughs> telepathic thing. And I find the older I get, because I've been working on that more, that gut feeling and that intuition, it's becoming like razor sharp. Like I can pick up on things. I could just sit there like Yoda and just feel things all day and be like, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And that's that's one of the things I've loved about getting older, actually. I don't know if you also have that ability, like you've worked, kind of fine-tuned some of that a little bit. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you walk into a new situation and you meet a person and it, they just make you prickle. Like there's just something not right. And then years later, you discover that they were really not a good person and you knew it and you told people and you let them know and they're just like, oh, you're just being crazy. But then it had whatever happens happens years later and they're like, oh, you were right. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> like yep. like I knew it. Damn it. I knew it. You know. Yeah. Yep. And it yep. takes it takes uh, working on that. Pra- it's like a muscle. You know what I mean? You have to actually use it to develop it and to keep it. Otherwise, it just kind of goes dormant. <laughs> That's what I find. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I think this is a good place to take a break. I want to come back and we talk about some tips for middle-aged women and then maybe pick some of your favorite because you did a series on this, uh, 12 Tips for Life, based on uh, Jordan Peterson's 12 Tips for Life, but we can put a little female spin on it. Mm -hmm. So we'll take a break here and then we'll see everyone on the other side. Wait, don't go anywhere unless it's to the Red Eyes members section. We'll continue in part two with Holly discussing more important words of wisdom for women, but it can apply to guys too, and pro tips for women at midlife. But we'll also put a female spin on Jordan Peterson's 12 tips for life. Not yet a member? Becoming one is super easy. Head over to RedIceMembers.com and click sign up. A special thanks to our executive producers, T. Lothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, and Chalky Milk. We'll see you in part two.